More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— with new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a 1,000 at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. It is Monday, and it's going to be an uncomfortable day. Uncomfortable for you, uncomfortable for me. I mean, really uncomfortable for me here on the Jesse Kelly Show because we just got the final bill for the oldest braces, $4,700. I mean, like five seconds before the show started, I got the final bill. Honestly, I feel like vomiting right now. I don't know if I can do the show, Chris. 
Oh, I don't even know why he needs teeth. We can, he can eat pudding or something the rest of his life. I've never, I can't. It is the world famous Jesse Kelly show. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We have Michael Malice coming up in the second hour as he does every single Monday. I can't wait to ask him his take on vaccine passports. Oh, this this should be good. This should be good. <laughs> and Rebecca Heinrichs, we scored her for our last hour. She is the foreign policy expert. I mean, knows all this stuff. So we'll talk about some things with her. We're going to talk about why kids prefer mom's cooking. And today, get ready because we're going to talk about playing offense, and I cannot guarantee you're going to feel comfortable. I can't guarantee I'm going to feel comfortable. We're going to have some uncomfortable talks about going forward as a right in this country. And speaking of uncomfortable, we're going to start out today with a history segment, as we always do. I... Uh, this statement, this 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 story has been suggested to me by several listeners to the show. Several people. I have read them all. Yes, I read your email suggestions for history too. Sometimes I take them. Sometimes I don't because they're stupid. But I've wanted to do this one, but not wanted to do this one because today we're talking about the Milai massacre. We're talking about. Atrocities committed not by the Mongolian hordes or the commie scum or the Nazis or the Romans or the. We're talking about massacres, innocent people dead, committed by U.S. troops. And I avoid this topic for a couple different reasons. No, it's not because I sugarcoat history, as you well know. If anything, I hit you right between the eyes a little bit too hard with it now and then. I realize that, but I'm a, ho- I'm, a, I'm a horrible person, so you just have to expect that. One, especially Vietnam veterans, I respect them. I, I, I'll, I'll flat out say it more than I respect veterans of any other conflict because I feel like they were done so wrong by their leadership, one. Two, It was such a miserable hell of a place to fight. The jungle's just so terrible. I never fought in it, but I told you when we did, uh, they called it Cobra Gold. We did jungle warfare training in Thailand. I think it was a month, month and a half. We were in Thailand and triple canopy jungle and all that stuff. And we used to talk about it because it was so miserable. The jungle is such a horrible place. The jungle itself will kill you several different ways. And it's such a miserable place. We would talk about it while we were there. We're there and we're thinking to ourselves, we said it. We said, how did these guys in Vietnam even fight in this? You can't see anything. You can't, It's horrible. So when it comes to telling a negative story about something we did in Vietnam, it's just not something I've been comfortable with just for that reason. Plus, I think we get enough America sucks history in your daggone schools, frankly. So I'm not going to present it to you that way. I'm going to give you the facts. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But before we go into our story, and it's going to be tough to listen to, 
And before you and I start judging, and believe me, as I go through this, you're going to have some judging creeping into you. I sure did as I was tearing through all this yesterday. Let me ask you a very specific question. Whether you're married, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever you have, have you ever, if you have a job, have you ever gone to work, had a bad day at work, you screwed up, boss was mean, you forgot something, everything went to crap on you, and come home and snapped at your spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend? And if you stay at home, maybe you got some kids running around the house. Have you ever had a long day at home? Kids yelling, screaming, glass gets broken. This one, I think I got to take him to urgent care. This Had a rough day at the house and then snapped at your spouse when they got home from work. Any of this sounding familiar at all? Keep that in mind as I talk about our little tale today. We're going back to 1968 and a brief Vietnam 101 setup for anybody who might not be familiar with what's going on during the Vietnam War. The north of Vietnam, North Vietnam was communist. The communists, as communists do, wanted to also take over South Vietnam. South Vietnam was a bunch of communist sympathizers, but also a bunch of people who didn't want to be taken over by the communists. America gets involved because America is all about checking communist aggression around the world. That was our foreign policy. We were, of course, neglecting it back home. We're fighting a war and dying in Vietnam to stop the communists while the communists are actively taking over our education system. But that's another story. But that's the situation on the ground. And you need to understand this part, too. There are two different types of troops we fight. The Americans are fighting against in North Vietnam. There are the NVA. That is the North Vietnamese Army. That's the official army of North Vietnam. You know what I mean. Uniforms, boot camp, guns, training, marching along. You can picture it. Army uniforms. That's the official thing. And then... There are the guerrilla communist force called the Viet Cong, VC, or you you oftentimes see it in the movie referred to as Charlie. That's because it was VC turned into Victor Charlie, which just got shortened to Charlie. Those are the people who live, work, and worship in South Vietnam. They do not have uniforms. They do not have this. They look just like everybody else because they are everybody else. And at night or during the day or random times, they will set down that farmer's plow and go sneak a uh, sniper rifle out from underneath their bed, crawl up to the top of a tree in the jungle, take a sniper shot at a U.S. troop or two. Hopefully you kill one. Even better, maybe you wound one. Then you can shoot at his buddies when they come. Then you scamper right back down the tree, hide the rifle, grab your plow, and wave at the U.S. troops on the way by your village. There were obviously more organized attacks than that between the Viet Cong and the Americans, 
But those stopped relatively early on in the war because they found out very quickly an actual head-to-head contact with the United States of America is not a good idea. They were getting they got slaughtered every time they tried that. So they just went to purely guerrilla tactics. That's the VC. And that's going to play a big part in our story today. Now, in Vietnam, there had just been, right before our story, there had just been a gigantic offensive from North Vietnam involving the VC as well. Obviously, those two groups work together all the time where they tried to attack and did attack all kinds of cities and places in South Vietnam. They tried to do a big offensive and blow everyone off the map. I'll do another thing on the Tet Offensive another time. It doesn't matter. But at the end of it, America has some ground to make up. And there's been something else going on. Remember that conversation where you snapped at your spouse? Remember that because it's going to get ugly here in a second. Hang on. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. Jake's Mint Chew, well, I don't want to say it's a lifesaver, but I guess when you look at how many people it's already helped quit dipping tobacco, maybe it is a lifesaver. Maybe that is fair. I, I, I don't know if I can call it that, but I'll tell you this. It's the best way to quit dipping. In fact... From what from my emails, it appears to be the best way to quit smoking. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. There are 11 different flavors for long cut, seven different flavors for pouches, and all of them taste great. There are also four different flavors for CBD pouches, which, let me tell you, those take the edge off. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's Jake's mintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE at checkout. J-E-S-S-E. That gets you 20% off. Oh boy, it's about to get uncomfortable as we talk about the My Lai Massacre here on the Jesse Kelly Show. We have Heavy D banning vaccine passports. And let me ask you something, because we're about to have an uncomfortable talk about it. Why hasn't your governor? Why hasn't my governor? Here I sit in the supposedly blood-red state of Texas With a supposedly Republican governor, where's my vaccine passport ban? You know why? Because virtually the entire right, including you, including me, is not totally comfortable playing offense yet. And we're going to have to get that way. We'll see if we can't get that way by the end of the show today. Back to Vietnam. The Tet Offensive had just happened. And again, the North Vietnamese, the Viet Cong, they were attacking all these cities in South Vietnam. 
Now, what does that matter for our story? Let's go to a place called Me Lai. And it's much more complicated than just that. It's Everyone calls it Me Lai. Me Lai was actually a group of hamlets. And the one we're talking about was one of them. It was actually Me Lai 4. You should know the U.S. troops called it Pinksville. But this was, it doesn't matter, Chris. This was an area in the northern part of South Vietnam. And any one of those South Vietnamese hamlets that are close to the North Vietnamese border were inevitably going to be infiltrated, taken over, sometimes willingly, sometimes not, with the communists, with the Viet Cong. And they were brutal to the villagers. And this goes both ways. Here's how it works. Either you have South Vietnamese troops or American troops around there, patrolling around there, stopping in these hamlets. American troops would regularly walk into these villages. And how do you, you know, win hearts and minds, as they say it over there? We would set up a huge medical tent. We would be uh, doing dentistry on people, handing out candy, playing music, and yes, asking questions. Hey, where are the Viet Cong? Oh, they're never here. They're always in the next village over. You know, I mean, that kind of thing. That's how we would do it. The South Vietnamese would set up a perimeter, but we can't be everywhere all the time. The North Vietnamese, especially the Viet Cong, would simply wait until we left a village or left a place, and they would come in, as communists do, and commit absolutely unspeakable atrocities against village leaders and the women and the children as a lesson to the village for being nice to America. Remember, you're a communist village, and and don't let me— you see your chief over there tied to a pole with his guts falling out? That'll happen to all of you next time, and that's the kind of stuff they would do. And and much worse than that. I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to get too gruesome today because day's going to be hard enough. It was, it was very bad. It was very bad. During the Tet Offensive, a lot of the South Vietnamese troops who were guarding these hamlets had to leave and go back down and fight everyone out of the cities of South Vietnam where the Viet Cong stepped right in. Which brings us to an army unit. Charlie Company. 120. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but 120. It's Charlie Company. That's all you need to know. They are a relatively green unit when it comes to full-scale combat, but they are not a green unit when it comes to death and tension and anger. And here's what I mean. They get together as a unit. They're actually put together in Vietnam. And they begin, they call them search and destroy missions. And it was essentially what I was just talking about, medical tents and such. But part of that was you're looking for weapons caches and you're destroying weapons caches when you find them. If you find too many in a village, you'll destroy the whole village food supply type thing. But there's also a lot of hearts and minds stuff going on. Americans showed up in Vietnam and I witnessed this firsthand in Iraq. We do not. And look, I was with a bunch of bloodthirsty Marines. We do not see the kids, especially the kids, the women and kids of another country, as being some evil, hostile force. You view them as being precious and innocent and and somebody you want to protect, honestly. We're throwing candy at them all the time. Here's some water. Here's some, that's that's Amer- You should be very proud of your country. That was American sensibilities. It is American sensibilities to this day. We don't walk in there and want to massacre. And this unit, to their credit, 
was doing this all over the place. Aha, so shaking hands, kissing babies, here's some candy, here's some this. Yeah, we destroyed some weapons here, but there are multiple pictures of the men in this unit taking happy pictures with Vietnamese around the country. But something had changed. And here's what had changed. The Viet Cong decided, again, they're no longer going to be trying these full frontal assault type things. Those died out pretty early in the war. They realized that you're not going to beat America like that. They had to go to a purely guerrilla war campaign. What does that look like? Here's what it looks like. Here are a few examples, and this is what this unit started to go through after a relatively bright and sunny beginning. You are out on patrol. Patrol can be you leave your base on foot, walk out to an area for three, four, five, six hours, walk back to your base. Patrol can be by helo, just like you see in all the Vietnam movies. Everyone hops in a helo, fly out, land somewhere, patrol around for a while, hopefully don't get yourself killed. Then call them back in, hop in the helos, and fly and fly back. Well, this started to happen to this unit. They're flying out on patrol. Go patrol an area. You're out. You're two hours in, and your best friend all of a sudden gets shot in the face. You don't know where it came from. You start to shoot back in the general direction. You, of course, don't hit anybody. You, you, you sit there and watch your friend die. The next day you go out, you're walking along, and the guy beside you walks in a punji pit. Punji sticks were, they sharpened a bunch of bamboo sticks and put them in holes in the ground, and then they covered them with human excrement so it would get infected almost right away. And even if it didn't get infected, I mean large stakes through your leg, through your foot in the ground, you're welcome to Google image search those injuries yourself if you want. I would not recommend it, but... It's not pleasant. And your buddy's screaming and the doc's coming and the helo's coming. There are landmines routinely. The mines are a humongous problem where your friends every single day are getting feet blown off, legs blown off. And not only are you saying goodbye to your buddy if they manage to save his life and get him on the helo, you're watching him fly out of that helicopter, maybe the last time you'll ever see him, And you know for a fact that that 18, 19-year-old kid will now live the rest of his life without a leg or legs. And what's happening is this. They're not seeing the Viet Cong because the Viet Cong aren't showing themselves. They're digging the punji pits. They're laying the mines. They're doing the sniping. Maybe occasionally you'll see one in the jungle. You unload all your ammo at him. You go, you can't find him because the Viet Cong would drop down into their tunnels and spider traps in the ground. You are taking about 20% casualties at this point. Most are not death, but almost all of them are maiming, horrible maiming. They had uh, uh, glass bombs they would set off up close to your eyes, where if you stepped something, you would trigger it, and it would essentially explode a bottle up by your face. Guys were routinely blinded with glass. Just Awful, uh, terrible stuff. And I, I need you to understand that to understand what's coming. And they're not getting any pound of flesh back as their buddies are dying. And there's something else. And this part's going to get real uncomfortable. Are you ready for this? We'll find out if you are. Then we'll talk about vaccine passports. Hang on.
I feel like I've been paroled from prison, from allergy prison. Do you know, do you know how bad allergies get? I mean, I'm sure you probably do, but at least how they get for me. This is this is real. I would wake up in the morning sometimes and I would be crying out the side of my face that was laying on the pillow. There would be tears running out of my eyes. That's how I woke up several mornings. And I have tried the -the over-the-counter allergy medication. It works for me for about 15 minutes. You know what actually worked? What actually broke me free, gave me my allergy parole? My Eden Pure Thunderstorm. My air purifier. The small, compact one you hardly notice that sits in the corner and clears all that gunk out of the air. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code word JESSE at checkout for 10 bucks off. Are you comfortable playing offense against the left? We are going to find out today. I'm going to tell you specifics, and you're going to decide whether you're comfortable with it or not. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Do you think China is going to invade Taiwan? Rebecca Heinrichs, our foreign policy expert, coming up in the final hour She does. She thinks it's going to happen and going to happen during Biden's administration. So I'm going to ask her why she thinks that and what that actually means for us, because I don't think that anybody cares that much about Taiwan. We're Americans. You should, though. You should, though. There's there's critical stuff there for us. We'll talk about that with Rebecca Heinrichs later on. Now. I already went over the mines and the booby traps and the punji sticks and the tension that's building with these troops. Their buddies are getting their stuff blown up. And here's something that's very difficult to accept. And it's hard. Again, there's so much respect for the Vietnam guys because how does the human mind deal with something like this? Those villages, full. there were almost no fighting age males because they were all basically gone fighting the war for Vietnam. But those villages full of old people, And women and children, those villages were supporting the Viet Cong. They absolutely were. Sometimes quietly. Sometimes they were forced to. Sometimes they did it voluntarily. Sometimes they actively participated in it. We're about to talk about things like dead kids and dead women at the hands of U.S. troops. But you also need to know, and I'm not trying to justify it. I'm trying to get us to understand. You also need to know it was not at all uncommon for a child to walk up to to a GI with a grenade and blow both of them up. It was not uncommon for a woman to stab a GI. There are several stories of... uh, Oh, gosh, this is hard for a family show. Of Vietnamese ladies of the night. Wooing in a GI and assassinating him or maiming him horribly. Village women doing these things. Old people doing these things. Eventually, all the pictures they were taking and the handing out of the candy with these villagers, all that stuff stopped. And they started to look at the villagers in this area 
as a hostile force as their buddies are dying day after day and getting maimed day after day. Now, on this particular day, intelligence had told them something. Intelligence had told this group of men as they were setting out on their search and destroy operation that there was a battalion of Viet Cong in this area. They told them that, one. Two, they told them in this village, in My Lai, everyone is hostile. They told them that. That was told to the men. We know that for a fact. They take off on this day. Now, how these things would normally go is, like I said, the medical tents and such, but they would also surround the village first, and they would fly. It, it wasn't just the troops. They would oftentimes have helos flying overhead to scout for enemy, to pull out wounded if necessary, to do various things. And if they were close to the shore, they would actually have naval support too. So it was a big operation. They approached Milai at 7 a.m. All the maiming, all the everything. And they enter in. And there are different platoons here, different sections of what we're doing. And one of them is led by a man named Lieutenant Callie. And to this day, nobody knows who started the killing. But they simply took a village, and we don't know the number either. It may be 350, maybe 500. They simply started killing everyone. And I mean everyone. Men, old men, mostly because there were no fighting age men, women, children, babies, everyone. They're burning down the entire place and killing everyone. And one guy's participating, then the next guy's participating, and the next guy's participating. And in fairness to this unit, Several guys could not do it, would not do it. They walked away. Several guys tried to stop it, but you can get yourself killed really easily when someone's blood is up in that situation and didn't stop it. And it is a massacre straight out of something the dirty commies would do, lining people up in the ditches and shooting them all. There are famous pictures from it because they had photographers with them. There are famous pictures from it. Probably the first one you'd pull up if you pulled up Me Lai Massacre, you'd see this woman, older woman in black pajamas, crying, screaming, clearly scared. And there's a bunch of them around her. And there's a young lady behind her with a baby and whatnot. And you see everybody in this picture. The photographer walks up and snaps a picture of this woman. And I actually watched an interview with this photographer. He said after he snaps the picture of this woman and this group of people right there, he turns a walks away and hears boom, 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 turns around over his shoulder. Everybody in that picture died a second later. Haunting. It makes the picture very haunting. And I'm trying not to dwell on this too long because I know it is ugly and it is heavy. And, and women were assaulted during this, this thing. And look, it is a massacre. Three, four, five hundred people dead. Babies, too, dead, committed by U.S. troops. Eventually, one of those helos overhead, remember I said how the helos scout over the head? One of these pilots was apparently a hero and a man who still had his conscience intact. He's flying over. You know, he's trying to scout out on behalf of the Army troops, but he keeps looking down and he's seeing bodies lined up in the ditches. And American troops are doing the shooting. And he's like, this doesn't make any sense at all. 
because American troops are lying about what's happening there, saying, oh, yeah, we're taking some uh, indirect fire, but, uh, oh, yeah, there are some civilian casualties, but it's all artillery rounds. Well, this guy's looking down, and he sees that, that that's not artillery casualties. Absolutely not. These are executions. He sees the troops begin marching towards another bunker where there's a bunch of villagers hiding out, trying not to die. He lands his helo in between the American troops in the bunker and has his two crewmen gets off and he gets off too with weapons pointed not at the Vietnamese but at the Americans saying stop. And he ends up hauling more than a dozen of these villagers out of there that day and probably saving their lives. This was sold after it was over, although what actually happened was well known in Army circles. It was sold as a great military victory after it was over back home. The real truth is this did not come out till like a year later. And then obviously there was public outrage and Lieutenant Callie got put on trial, so on and so forth. In case you're wondering, he got off with a slap on the wrist. Virtually no punishment for the Americans. A lot of the baby killer protest stuff you see, you've heard about how they're accusing Vietnamese troops about that. A lot of that came from this. They choose. They chose the public, the disgusting leftist public we had, just chose to dump on all the troops instead of just these one guys. And I watched this interview with one of the guys who was very much a participant. To his credit, he was on camera talking about he killed 20, 25 people that day, women, kids, whatnot. Clearly a man torn up about it. Almost all these guys went on to abuse drugs and alcohol and die young. I mean, they just mentally destroyed the rest of their lives. But remember that fight you had with your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend? You had a long day at work. Come home, you snap at your wife. Well, why isn't dinner done? Or she had a long day with the kids. He finally gets home from work. Hey, honey, don't hey, honey, me. You've, you've done it. I've, I've done it. I did it last week. I've, I've done it. It's time for you and I to have a conversation about me lie, about the right, about ourselves. Hang on. to the Jesse Kelly show. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) 
Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. voiced his support for MLB making a decision about the All-Star Game in Georgia. Um, I'm wondering, when can we expect a final determination from the president about the United States participating in the Beijing Olympics, given that he said the Chinese president doesn't have a democratic bone in his body? Well, I think the U.S. Olympic Committee uh, would play a big role in... Uh, in on Major League Baseball here in the United States. He actually didn't, I, I think, I don't know if you heard the, qu- the answer, the question, the answer that happened a few minutes ago where we addressed this and I answered the question. So, uh, and I give a little more context, but maybe you weren't paying attention to that part. Oh God, she's homely. Chris, that's enough of throwing it. That's enough. No, she's not. Y'all are crazy. Y'all are good. Ginger chicks are hot, man. You're, you guys are nuts. Anyway, it is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Don't forget, it is a Medal of Honor Monday. We don't do any good or decent thing on this show ever, except for Mondays. We take a brief moment, and we honor one of our nation's heroes so we can remember them and remember their deeds. Now, there's no defense, no defense of marching into a village and killing women and children. Let's, let's, let's not do that. Uh, so I'm not doing that. There's no defense, but there are reasons. And we study human nature on this show. The, uh, the, who's the, the Nazi camp guard, an Auschwitz camp guard. You and I, we in our minds, because of the unspeakable evils that person did, we like to think of them as demons, some a monster of some kind. You know part of the reason we do this? It's not just because of the terrible things they did. Because you and I want to imagine. We want to imagine that person, he's different than me. I could never do what that evil person did because he's not a person He's a monster. He's a demon. I was, like I said, I was watching the uh, uh, documentary. It was really good one. Gosh, I forget the name. But it had, as part of as part of going over stuff for this show, it had interviews with the helo pilot who stopped these guys. It had interviews with the guys who had killed these people. And they're talking about it, frankly, on camera. Guys who had killed kids. I mean, it's just, I can't even imagine. Guys who killed kids, who killed women. And one of the things that strikes you is you read about what happened at Milai, and I did. I read, gosh, I read 20 things on it. Listened to a couple podcasts on it. Watched a couple documentaries on it. By the time you're done with that, you've made these guys into the camp guards at Auschwitz. You have in your mind because of what they did. It's no defense of it. But then you see them being interviewed, and this was clearly, and I, I don't know the, when the documentary was made. I would guess this is 20 years after. They look to be about in their 40s or so. You see human beings, and it hits you hard. 
it hits you really, really hard that these are humans, that we are all human, and that human beings respond in terrible ways to built-up tension that never gets released. Built-up tension. You know why you snapped at your wife after a bad day of work? Because you didn't, and probably shouldn't, because you didn't tell your boss to go screw himself when he did that thing to ma- that, that made you mad. You know why you yelled at your husband for not taking out the trash right when he walked in the door? Because you were mad at your kids all day? Because you didn't properly vent it out another way. What I'm saying to you is this. As you know, I, 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 I think, I, 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 don't, I don't cheer for it, but I think a fascist is going to rise on the right. I've said it several times. I know many of you are cheering for it. It's fine. I am not. But the reason I think it is this. What I hear over and over and over and over from you and your phone calls and your emails is you feel surrounded. You feel as if there is, if you're on the right, there is no escape from the left now. There's no, there's no escape from the left. There's no getting back at the left. We even just had a Republican president for four years and the right still felt surrounded and assaulted the entire time. The entire, because you were, the entire system just locked arms against Trump and against you and made sure he couldn't do much and impeached him twice. That is what I want you to understand. That is what has me worried. Worried about the right. Worried about the tensions rising on the right. Because people are completely done now with being told, wait, slow down, we can't do that. People now, they're, they're on a quest for revenge against the leftist hordes. And I'm not saying that's unjustified at all, but I'm saying it has me worried about how that manifests itself. Because that tension those guys felt day after day after day after day after day. Well, you saw how it ended, didn't you? Tension is a dangerous, dangerous thing. And I feel like we have it right now. Let's talk about vaccine passports. Hang on. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
It is the now world-famous Jesse Kelly Show with me, the Shogun. 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I hope everybody had a very, very blessed Easter. I certainly did. He is risen up yours, Chris. <laughs> anyway, the email address is jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Email me your love, your hate, your death threats, your Ask Dr. Jesse questions for Friday. You can send those in throughout the week. I will answer them throughout the week. Also, if you miss any part of the show, the whole thing's available on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and on iTunes. We have a bunch of new iTunes reviews. I'm going to read some today during the show. Make sure you leave a five-star rating on iTunes and leave a review talking about how handsome I am. We read the great ones on the air, and there are some doozies in there. Vaccine passports, your governor. Let's talk about them. Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. We have Michael Malice coming up in 30 minutes. Always something controversial to say on the show. I want to know what he has to say. I'm just going to open up the floor to him about vaccine passports. Offense. I talk a lot about playing offense, how we play defense too much. Let's have a conversation here, and it's going to be a difficult one. I thought about going right to Medal of Honor Monday so we could wipe some of that icky off us from that rough history opening, talking about the My Lai Massacre. But no, we're going to wait on Medal of Honor Monday because I'm, I'm rolling now. Okay, Florida Governor Heavy D, Ron DeSantis, he issued a, an, an executive order banning vaccine passports in Florida. All right, it's great, right? How many GOP governors do we have in the United States of America? How many? Why haven't every single one of them passed a vaccine passport? Are you ready to get uncomfortable? Let's get uncomfortable. What if I were to say to you, because I can tell you all the times GOP needs to stop playing defense, needs to play offense. You know, I hate, I hate the GOP motto of, no, they can't do that. Okay, just a little more this time, but then after that, no more. All right, well, this is the line in the sand that not, not one more inch. Not one more inch is defensive mindset. You're going to lose that. You're going to give up more inches. Lots of them, all of them. And the GOP, the right, forget about the GOP, the right is so beaten down and ingrained with this mindset 
that you can't seem to shake it. So it's time we start shaking it. Let me ask you something. Take a middle school, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, a government middle school, completely secular. Government middle school could be in any one of your own towns. Of course, I have no doubt the uh, uh, Ten Commandments are, are not in that school anymore. Are you comfortable suing, petitioning, hammering away at everybody you have to, and I mean real teeth, until you force the Ten Commandments, Ten Commandments back in that school? Are you comfortable? Or are you recoiling horror right now? Oh, no, we can't. We can't do, ew, no, we can't force things on people. That would be, that's not our way. Then you're going to lose. Are you comfortable? Are you comfortable with the federal government or an individual state government passing a law that says each and every one of our non-felon adults is 100% allowed to own an unlicensed, unregistered, fully automatic weapon of their choosing. Fully automatic. I mean, belt-fed machine guns like you see in the movies. You uncomfortable yet? Why are you uncomfortable? What do you think offense looks like? I saw somebody bring up this weekend, and I forget who it was, so so I'm not going to try to make it up, but... Somebody said this weekend, why are conservatives going after a, a Major League Baseball? Because, you know, the Major League Baseball, uh, MLB, they pulled out the All-Star game from Atlanta and pulled all this money out of there. And, of course, there's lots of talk on the right, as there should be, about stop watching baseball. Stop buying merch. Stop buying tickets. Stop funding the people who hate you. And the, the person on the right, of course, brought up, well, we what? What do we gain if we if we hurt these people? What do we gain if we hurt? We are so broken mentally on the right. We are so broken that even talk of hurting the people who are actively trying to hurt us makes us uncomfortable. What? What? Are you comfortable? criminalizing abortion. That one gets dicey, doesn't it? It's really dicey because the pro-life thing runs runs the gamut on where people... Chris isn't even that pro-life. I'm absurdly pro-life. I mean, bloodthirsty pro-life. And so you can get into a real uncomfortable territory there. Well, they've spent decades and decades and decades getting it more and more legal. Are you comfortable going the other way? Are you comfortable... Here's a great one for you. Here's a great one for you. You know how many illegal immigrants we have in the United States of America? And I'm not just talking about Mexico, Central America. I'm talking Poland, Ireland. We have, uh, there are more Polish illegal immigrants in the United States of America. There are more Poles in the city of Chicago than any other city in the world besides Warsaw. You know that? It's true. Are you comfortable Having a 
500,000-man ICE force. There's only about 6,000 ICE employees, but are you comfortable having a 5,000-man ICE force go around and round up every single man, woman, and child who was in the United States of America illegally and deport them back to their country of origin? Now, remember this, because I know a lot of people right now are going, oh, yeah, I'm down for that. You ready for the pictures, the videos? I said every man, woman, and child. You can't leave the kids back there. The kid's going on that same prison bus with mom and dad. Grab his toys. Are you still comfortable? You see you see the situation we're finding ourselves in on the right? How uncomfortable the fight is going to be? And I'm not talking about just these issues specifically. I mean anything that involves actually taking ground back. It makes people on the right uncomfortable and we can never win unless we take ground back because we lost all the ground. They took it all. What are you comfortable with? What are you comfortable with? I rant all the time on America's Christian uh, pastors because that's highly, highly personal for me. Everyone who listens knows I lost my church about a year ago. St. George Floyd dies, going to church, uh, first of all, we get a uh, Facebook post from our pastor saying he's he's going to attend a what white people need to know seminar. And then we show up to church and we get a lecture about our white privilege. Walked out the door, have actually not sadly been in, in a church since. But uh, pick pick your religion, whatever, Jew, Muslim, whatever you happen to be, pick your religion. Are you comfortable with your religious leader? Not just church on Sunday, or when do you people do it? Saturday, Chris, when those people do it? Are you comfortable with your religious leader being out in front of a political protest? Not necessarily for a candidate or something like that. I'm talking your pastor in church on Sunday, Ten Commandments, Jesus is love, God is risen, happy Easter, everybody. And Monday, you see him on your state capitol steps leading his 500-person congregation against the new abortion law with a loudspeaker in his hands. Are you comfortable or are you uncomfortable with that? Offense means action. Offense means doing things that are not just going to make you uncomfortable. It means doing things that are going to make, it's going to make the left insane with rage. Insane with rage. Are you comfortable with that? If you're not, and you're probably not, because you, you and I have both been conditioned that way, then we have to start getting comfortable with it. We cannot defense our way out of this mess. It's time to play offense. It's time. What does Michael Malice think about vaccine passports and Medal of Honor Monday next? Jesse Kelly. You know that I'm a minimalist, right? We've had this talk before. It's part of it's because I'm a bad person, yes, but I'm just a very simple man. I, I like a few things. I only buy a few things. I 
I only have like five t-shirts. I have two pairs of jeans I wear. I just don't buy much. I like a few foods. I like a few. I have three. I'm not making this up. Three Eden Pure Thunderstorms in my home. You walk in. You know what? Buy one of them and you'll see what I mean. Buy one Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Go plug it in your bedroom, your kitchen, your living room. Come home the next day and walk back in that room. You will taste the difference in the air. You will. It's that incredible. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. When you use the code word JESSE at checkout, that gets you $10 off. Jesse Kelly returns next. Ladies and gentlemen, this uh, gathering is unfortunately lawful, unlawful under the coronavirus regulations we have currently. You are not allowed to meet inside with this many people under law. At this moment in time, you need to go home, failure to comply with this direction to leave and go to your home address ultimately could lead you to be fined £200 or if you fail to give your details to you being arrested. I suggest, ladies and gentlemen, though it is quite a, it is Good Friday, and I appreciate you would like to worship, that this gathering is unlawful. So please may you leave. That's how pastors conduct themselves in the UK, scurrying and running away. You want to know who really knows about Nazism and communism? I mean, who really, really knows? Poles know. What am I? It's. it's Look, I'm not lying. It's one of my favorite things about the show is that we have a big Polish listenership. I think it's so cool. People in Poland love the show because nobody's more anti-communist in Poland. Nobody's more anti-not. Why? Well, they were the ones who got spit-roasted in World War II and several other times infected with the commie menace. And so there was a Polish pastor. He, this took place in Canada. But there was a Polish pastor. Cops stormed in, about five of them tried to run him and his congregation out of the church. You want to know what playing offense looks like? Pastors, American Christians, here's what it looks like. Please get out. Get out of this property. Immediately get out. Get out of this property. Immediately. Out. I don't want to hear anything. Out of this property. Immediately. I don't want to hear a word. Out. Out. Out of this property. Immediately until... You'll come back with a warrant. Out. 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 Out of this property. Immediately out. Immediately go out and don't come back. Don't, I don't want to talk to you. Not a word. Out of this property. Out of this property. Immediately out. I'm just going to pause it because I don't like playing a long audio for you on the show. But I'm absolutely playing every minute of this. We have like a minute and a half left of this guy chewing these cops out. And you should see them meekly turn around and walk out the door. And I just want to set this up. At the end of this, 
when he's still yelling at them towards the end, calling them Nazis and things like that. They've already left the church, and they're walking up the sidewalk back to their squad cars, and he's still standing on the sidewalk. Don't come back, you scumbags. It's the best. What you have to say, out, out, out of this property, you Nazis, out, out. Gestapo is not allowed here. Immediately, Gestapo is not allowed. Out. Do you understand English? Get out of this property. Go. So go. Go. And don't come back without a warrant. Out, Nazi. Out. Out. You understand? Nazis are not welcome here. Out. And don't come back without a warrant. Do not come back without a warrant. You understand that? You're not welcome here. Nazis are not welcome here. Gestapo is not welcome here. Do not come back, you Nazi psychopaths. Unbelievable, sick, evil people. Intimidating people in a church during the Passover. You Gestapo, Nazi, communist, fascists. Don't you dare coming back here. Can you imagine those psychopaths? Passover, the holiest Christian festival in a year and they're coming to intimidate Christians during the holiest festival unbelievable what is now that is a pastor ladies and gentlemen now that is a pastor mine i have to recognize my white privilege that guy get out you nazi commie scum it's passover you don't get to walk in here and talk to my flock like that pack up your stuff and leave gosh i'm ready to fly to canada and go back to church chris i'll go church. i'll go to that guy's church are you ready for that from your religious le- your rabbi your imam you want to see your religious leader Conduct himself that way. If the answer is no, let me ask you, why not? Your tax-exempt status? Because you, you want to be, be more welcome? I want everybody in our synagogue. I want everybody in our church on Sunday. Really? Or do you want to stand for what's right? Aren't you supposed to stand for something? Setting religions, let's set the religions aside. On the right. You understand that you're going to have to, 100% have to, be willing to be unpopular. Unpopular. If you want to actually make a difference. There is no comfortable way going forward for you to do something worthwhile against the left. There's not. There is not. You are going to be blasted on Facebook by friends and family. People are going to yell at you. People, The system is going to make you uncomfortable. Are you willing to play offense or not? Remember, the whole show is available on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review talking about how handsome I am. I thought these people did a great job, Chris. These are our newest reviews. <laughs> Great history segments. Love the lesson from history segment, particularly since he doesn't judge people from the typical woke modernist view. Now, I don't judge anybody. 
history, politics, and pithiness. Known to his listeners as the Big Dipper, <laughs> this tall drink of water is the modern Adonis of the airwaves, Chris. Unlike his ugly communist counterparts, Jesse is available for your... I'm not allowed to say that on the air, am I? Oh, he means that for your oral pleasure where you where you can concentrate on his words without losing yourself in his rugged good looks. This one's headlined, Real Review. As a blind guy, immune to Jesse's legendary handsomeness, I thought I'd do a real review. Guys, I didn't know handsomeness could be a sound until I heard Jesse's voice. <laughs> I bet he smells handsome, too. Five stars is not enough to express it. What, Chris? They're just being honest. Handsome hunk of history. These just these reviews really capture the show. Five stars for the show and five stars for being so good looking. Thanks for the history, brother. And this one's titled Chippendale. Jesse's the most handsome Chippendale in America. His radio show isn't bad either. That's how you review the show right there. And don't forget 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I asked you last week about a time when you went cheap and it cost you. I got a couple good ones. I have one of those I'll read later on. I also have a great Medal of Honor Monday, which we need. It's going to be a sweet day today, Chris. Did you see what CBS did? The headline is this. This is from foxnews.com. CBS blasted for, quote, Dem activism with a report on three ways companies can help fight the Georgia election law. If you feel surrounded, it's because you are. It's because you are. But remember, we must play offense going forward. Offense. Remember what we talked about criminalizing abortion? Maybe ugly, right? But I don't even know if I support it. Well, they're legalizing killing them after birth. Defense ain't enough. I'm going to talk to Michael Malice. Hang on. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
All right, it is time for, this might be my favorite segment of the week. It's certainly one of the audience's favorite, judging by the emails. Host of your welcome, and he's also writing some anarchist handbook with his weirdo form of government, Michael Malice. Michael, what's the status on the handbook, man? Um, I, two things happened to me yesterday within the same hour. I got the mock-up of the book, oh, cool. uh, so that'll be out within a matter of weeks. And Jordan Peterson followed me. On Twitter, I'm going to be on his show recording today, so you should be kissing my Brooklyn butt. But <laughs> I still take your call with this county fair interview show. I'm going international. You and know, you are welcome. <laughs> I I would just like to apologize to everybody in the audience. This is probably going to be the last week Malice comes on. Next week it'll be it'll start slow. It'll be like oh, I'm having phone problems, and then after that he'll just never be back at all. <laughs> Hello, 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 hello. Michael, <laughs> I love that Heavy D in Florida issued a ban on vaccine passports, not because I love the heavy hand of government, because I don't believe there's a mind-your-own-business way out of this disastrous mess. And I think the entire right, everyone on the right, is uncomfortable playing offense. Am I wrong about any of those things? Uh, you have not been more correct about anything I've ever heard you say. I'm not joking because you were one of the first people to say this. You were one of the first people to say, this is what's coming. And unless you get ahead of it by, by then it might be too late. So this needs to throw down the gauntlet now before they get their ducks in a row. And here's further evidence that you were correct. This was the mechanism some organizations like Uber and Lyft used, where there were cities where there wasn't regulation uh, uh, ahead of time for them to do their ride sharing or there were laws against it. And they said, you know what, we're faster than this parasitic bureaucracy. We're going to get in there using our technology. We're going to you know, provide a service between riders and, and drivers, make our money. If we got to pay some fines, that's just the cost of doing business. But once we're entrenched, it's very hard to get us out. So that's very smart of you because now, not if they do have the mandate, they're also going to somehow have to work around the state laws, which is going to gummy up the works, which is exactly what you want. This is going to be a war of attrition because every week, fewer and fewer people are comfortable tolerating all this bullcrap. So, Jesse, this was such a great idea on your part, and I'm, I'm shocked and delighted that people actually listened. Michael, you uh, are probably the best person I know of that can judge mindsets of the left, of the right, of everything else, just figuring out where people are come from, coming from. Explain to me why people on the right are uncomfortable with offense. If I were to, to suggest anything playing offense against the left, anything like uh, deporting every illegal immigrant, that sounds like, I mean, every nation in the history of the world does that. 90% of the right would fight me tooth and nail as some kind of barbarian. Why? Um, I think several reasons. First of all, we have been raised um, in a culture through our government schools and our entertainment system that says that that's kind of inherently nasty and mean, and people don't want that. And second, so much of the media and Washington and all these agencies are meant on demonstrating that when someone puts forth an idea about like this, it's not that they're wrong, it's that they're both evil and crazy. 
And there's very few people who are comfortable being called evil and crazy. Donald Trump certainly was. He's like, okay, you want to call me crazy? That's fine. Okay, this, that's a big statement. Um, but many on the right, like McConnell, McConnell doesn't want to fight. He wants to do the kind of snake thing behind the scenes, whereas something like this, which is going up and hitting someone in the face before they take your kid, that takes a whole other set of priorities. But I think that's changing to some extent, don't you? I do, but I don't see it changing fast enough is what I mean. Maybe with the base, yeah, but like you're often fond of saying, and you're 100% right on this, it doesn't matter what the people think. There's like 10% of the population that actually makes the decisions. And like you just pointed out with McConnell, none of those people are thinking that way. Yeah, so, but I I think what's, what's interesting is with Trump being out of the White House and there not being any clear leader of the Republican Party, and probably every, other than maybe Fox News and the Washington Times, uh, but virtually every outlet that people receive, receive their news from urging the Republican Party to return to the days of Paul Ryan and saying, look, if you just do that, we're going to treat you nice, which is a complete lie. I think it's very hard for a lot of people in Washington to maintain that perspective. I saw somebody complain this weekend, and I wish I, I, I wish I could invite them on, but I don't remember who it was and because it's social media, you can't find anybody. But it was some pundit on the right complained about the right attacking Major League Baseball and the NBA and stopping watching because they said they aren't the real enemy, which blows me away. They absolutely are the real enemy, right? Or am I missing this? I, the corporate world going hard left is the most damaging thing that the left has ever taken over here besides education. Corporate America has done a far better job at implementing organizational Maoism than the Chinese Communist Party ever dreamed of in America. Um, I was the one, and you didn't disagree with me, the second there was rioting last year, I said these riots are about... 48 hours from getting corporate sponsorship. It was 90 minutes. Yeah, you did. So every single, and there's a meme that I'm sure many of your listeners have seen where we're bombing Syria, except now the bombs have the rainbow flags on them. (laughs) So uh, it is absolutely the case that corporate America, the, the, the battle isn't Republican versus Democrat, right versus left, conservative versus liberal. What we're seeing is the government and corporate America fighting each other on behalf of who gets to control the population, neither of whom, neither of those parties, regarding freedom as something that's of use to them of, uh, very much. Michael, what do we what do we do when it comes to race? Like, how do we view race? I will tell you how I view it. Uh, it's never been something important to me. I view most of these civil rights, gay rights, women's rights groups as just being communist front groups. I think the leadership in the country, the disgusting leadership, loves it that they have everybody thinking this guy's racist and this guy's this and this guy's that. But I do see it manifesting itself in ugly ways going forward. The rise of black supremacy will be met with the rise of more white supremacy, which we haven't had here in decades. Am I wrong? No, no, you're you're right. And but I think the I think black supremacy, there's different kinds of black supremacy. There's black nationalism in the Farrakhan kind of sense. Mm-hmm. And there's also the idea of BLM in that everyone has to be talking about black lives at all times until next week when we're gonna go to trans people for a week and then we switch back and the, you know, people snap their fingers and you're supposed to do the dance. So it used to be about economic class. I talked about this with James Lindsay. Everything has to be about the workers and I can't remember the last time that the Democrats talked about poor people. 
people. Then it just switched when the workers went become Reagan Democrats. Now it's like, well, we can't re- exploit them anymore. Let's exploit people based on race. But it's being done in very ham-fisted ways. Uh, Senator Duckworth from Illinois and Maisie Hirono from Hawaii had said that you know, they're not going to vote for any more of Biden's nominees to confirm until he nominates an Asian American Pacific Islander. <laughs> Asian American Pacific Islander is not a thing people in the Eastern Hemisphere think of. No one in China thinks that they're Japanese, and no one in Vietnam thinks they're Filipino. This is a completely Western construct um, that, thankfully, they got pushed back on. But I think a lot of people on the right see where this is going. And most importantly, it's encouraging them to take their children out of government schools where this is being taught. Amen. Hallelujah. Michael Malice, thank you, my brother. Always a pleasure. Take care, Jesse. People are waking up. The problem is we do have generations, as he pointed out, generations of people who've been ingrained in this stuff. And I'm the same. It's not like I've been, I'm, I'm on this lofty universe observing you idiots. I'm, I'm ingrained in the same stuff too, which is why I'm right there with you. We have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. We've been taught things that have lost us the culture. We have to unlearn these things and we have to, and it's going to take time. But we'll get to it. That's quite enough icky. We're going to get to Medal of Honor Monday next and some emails. Hang on. something there's a podcast get it on demand wherever podcasts are found the jesse kelly show i'm never going to sit behind the microphone and tell you that something is is really really easy when it's actually hard Uh, quitting dipping is not easy i have been through it whatever stories you want to email me and you're welcome to about trying to quit i will relate to all of them I've tried cold turkey. I've tried phasing myself off, and I tried replacing it with sunflower seeds, a nicotine patch, bubble gum. I tried replacing it with cigarettes. Yes, I know. Not not the best transition in the world. I know how hard it is, and let me tell you something. Jake's Mint Chew is what works. It is tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. There are tons of different flavors, including four different flavors of the CBD pouches, which really help. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the code word JESSE at checkout for 20% off. the jesse kelly show it's me jesse the oracle kelly eight seven what chris eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three jesse at jesse show.com chris i can't guarantee you're not gonna have to play that polish pastor again it was so long it was like two minutes long but it was great you nazi scum <laughs> i love that guy but first before we get to any of that As you know, as you well know, 
I am a bad person. I've never pretended otherwise. I know I'm a bad person. But we do do one good and decent thing on this show all week, and I mean only one. On Mondays, we read a Medal of Honor citation. We do this because these men deserve to be remembered. Their deeds deserve to be remembered. And I can't stress this enough. It's not enough just to know those citations are out there. If we don't read them, you and I together, then they're forgotten. Then they don't get passed down. You know how many emails I get, and I love them, by the way, you know how many emails I get of, I listen with my kid, I listen to the show with my kid, we listen We listen as a family, I listen with my kid. This stuff is generational, that there are lions out there, and what they did deserves to be remembered, and we should try to look up to these men instead of all the scum people look up to today. So, without further ado, this is Mr. John F. Baker, Jr., For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity in action at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty. En route to assist another unit that was engaged with the enemy, Company A came under intense fire and the lead man was killed instantly. Sergeant Baker immediately moved to the head of the column together with another soldier, knocked out two enemy bunkers. When his comrade was mortally wounded, Sergeant Baker spotted four Viet Cong snipers, killed them all, evacuated the fallen soldier, and returned to lead repeated assaults against the enemy positions, killing several more Viet Cong. Moving to attack two additional enemy bunkers, he and another soldier drew intense enemy fire, and Sergeant Baker was blown from his feet by an enemy grenade. He quickly recovered and single-handedly destroyed one bunker before the other soldier was wounded. Seizing his fallen comrade's machine gun, Sergeant Baker charged through the deadly fusillade to silence the other bunker. He evacuated his comrade, replenished his ammunition, and returned to the forefront to brave the enemy fire and continue the fight. When the forward element was ordered to withdraw, he carried one wounded man to the rear. As he returned to evacuate another soldier, he was taken under fire by snipers, but raced beyond the friendly troops to attack and kill the snipers. After evacuating the wounded man, he returned to cover, to cover the deployment of his unit. His ammunition now exhausted, he dragged two more of his fallen comrades to the rear. Sergeant Baker's selfless heroism, indomitable fighting spirit, and extraordinary gallantry were directly responsible for saving the lives of several of his comrades and inflicting serious damage on the enemy. His acts were in keeping with the highest traditions of the U.S. Army and reflect great credit upon himself and the armed forces of this country. Offense. That's what playing offense looks like right there, folks. Oh, no, I I realize I'm back at the rear. Give me some more freaking ammo. I'm going back in. I have more Viet Cong to kill. Gosh. Email. Jesse, I need some answers from a person that is logical. I am not logical because I always resort to drastic measures. He says, thanks, Army. The moment a three-year-old and a five-year-old was dropped over a border wall, every single person in this country should have immediately demanded answers from leadership in D.C., If anyone in this country believes this is okay because it's not a surge, they are children, crap spoken by a clear hypocrite, they should be investigated and removed from office. Yes, I want everyone to be part of America's freedom. 
but our current path may only lead to hate and violence. I've been in hate and violence, and I would never wish that upon. Here is our problem. And it is a big problem. It's one we have to accept. We don't have to cheer for it, but we have to accept it on the right. We, are, we find ourselves in situations like what's happening on the border, saying things like, this is, is going to destroy the country. How, can, how are they not doing something about this? This is going to destroy the country. And this is why we say this, because we don't want to accept the reality of it. The reality is half the country is either actively encouraging or at least perfectly fine with Destroying the country. I know that's hard to hear. I I know it is. It's hard to say. You and I don't want to accept it. It's hard to say. I always ask during the Democrat primaries, remember when all those candidates, they were all trying to outcome each other on the stage, and people would put up those questions about, if you could ask one question, what would you ask? I always had came up with the same question, always. I would tell every candidate, not mentioning inclusion, tell me what you love about America. Do you think a single one of them could answer that question without qualifiers? It's time to accept where we are, not where you want us to be, where we are. I'm not done. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day, and it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. We need a generational mindset change about playing offense. We need a generational mindset change about the nature of what we are facing. I hear all the time that this policy from the left will destroy the country and this policy from the left will destroy the country. Yes, that's true. That's on purpose. That's what they want. You're right. It will. And that's a bitter, bitter pill to have to swallow. But here we are. 877-377-4373, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We must accept, we have to be adults, and even when it gets hard, we have to accept where we are, 
Otherwise, how are we ever going to get to where we want to go? You got to figure out where you are first. So let's do that. Let's do that. I have a listener email about a time he went cheap and it cost him. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. Chris, that pastor, that Polish pastor, he's got me all kinds of fired up. So I understand it's a long clip. I'm not going to play it all, but I want you to play that again for me. Remember, this is a pastor. He's Polish, but this took place in Canada. Had like five or six cops come into his church and try to shut him down. And he doesn't even let them talk. He's calling them Nazis and commies. And this is how it's done. Please get out. Get out of this property. Immediately get out. Get out of this property. Immediately. Out. I don't want to hear anything. Out of this property. Immediately. I don't want to hear a word. Out. Out. Out of this property. Immediately until you come back with a warrant. Out. Ouch! Ouch! Okay. It's so good, Chris. Fast forward to the end where he's like, can you believe this? Passover. Can you believe? Fast forward to the end. Give it to me. Intimidating people in a church during the Passover. You Gestapo Nazi communist. (laughs) Chris, I'm going to need you to go ahead and uh, save that you Gestapo Nazi communist line. I give you my solemn word that will be that will not be the last time you hear that line on this show. I love this freaking guy. <laughs> Email. Dear Dr. Steele Sombrero Sunroof Overlord. Oh, the sunroof is still rattling, Chris. Oh, I'm I'm not you know what? I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going to go I'm not going into it right now. After listening to the world famous program last week, I was reminded of my recent trip to the Dominican Republic prior to the world losing its collective mind. Dominican Republic sounds kind of cool. Doesn't it just sound exotic and cool, Chris? Well, don't blow me away with your enthusiasm. What's wrong with the Dominican Republic? Do you have something against those people? It's right there. It doesn't seem that. You know what? Never mind, Chris. No sense of adventure. Just stay here. Stay in Texas forever. Don't travel anywhere. Anyway. I splurged on the accommodations and tried to save a buck or two on airfare. Oh, oh. On the cheap airline that starts, you know, and I'm not going to call him out. He he booked a cheap airline. They had routed our outbound flight from Florida to Newark, then to Putacana. Wait, he was flying from Florida 
back to Newark, and then back to the Dominican Republic. <laughs> That's when you know it's going to go well. Surprisingly, there were zero issues on this leg. The return flight, however, felt like a bad episode of Seinfeld. Oh, gosh, this is good. Boarding didn't even start until two hours after the scheduled time. The staff tried to explain quietly that the only flight they had that day had been delayed stateside when one of the passengers had been discovered with some illegal substances on board. We finally, once we finally did load up in Putacana, I, mean, I love this. A man refused to take his seat and was loudly warning everyone about the dangers of radio frequencies and that he would only be safe thanks to the copper-laden scarf worn around his head. An older woman heard half the conversation and threw into a fit, thinking he was threatening the plane and that his scarf was the symbol of some faith in the Middle Eastern religion. She attempted to rally all the passengers to her cause and get the man thrown off. When they refused to kick the man off, she decided that she and her entire family needed to disembark. A retired cop tried to calm everyone down and said he would sit directly with the man. Karen would have none of this and scooted her way off the plane with an embarrassed family in tow. The airline now had to unlatch, locate, and remove all their luggage from the cargo hold. An hour into this effort, another family in the back decided they had had enough and also demanded to leave and had to have their luggage located and removed as well. Four and a half hours after the scheduled departure, we were finally wheels up. With all the sudden vacancies, I found myself with an entire row empty. Even the, um, this amazing luxury of space and comfort, I vowed to never fly on that godforsaken airline again or be cheap. At least my cigars made it through customs. Thanks for what you do. <laughs> oh, jeez, oh, Chris. Do you have Rubio? Look at Rubio calling out China. boy, Mark. I'm, I'm, well, calling out Delta, really, but, I mean, where is he wrong? So Delta Airlines are business partners with the Chinese Communist Party, the same Chinese Communist Party that is committing genocide against Uyghur Muslims inside of China. So I look forward to a letter today from their CEO telling everyone that what the Chinese Communist Party is doing with genocide is unacceptable. I look forward to that letter saying that genocide does not reflect the values of Delta Airlines. Of course, they're not going to send that letter nor is Coca-Cola, nor is any of these other corporations that are out there proving to the world how woke they are, because they are woke corporate hypocrites. That's what they are. They're woke corporate hypocrites. They make billions of dollars in a country that doesn't even have elections. They make billions of dollars working with a country that has no respect for anyone or anything, and they don't say a word about it. But in America, they're prepared to boycott a state and condemn them publicly to show and prove how woke they are. They're hypocrites, complete and total hypocrites. Yeah, they are. They are hypocrites, but here's the problem. And by the way, I have no problem with with what Rubio said there. I mean, they are hypocrites. That's right. But again, the right needs a, a complete and total mindset change. It's not that they're hypocrites, although they are. It's that they and China share the same goal because they share the same 
thinking about the country in which they reside. You think that these huge corporations like Coca-Cola or Delta, you think at their heart, well, these are, these are American. And the guys in the corporate boardrooms, I mean, yeah, they're rich guys, but gosh, they re- since they live it up here, I bet they do love America. Uh, they certainly wouldn't want America to be harmed. No, they can't stand the place. They share the same goal. I'm not saying they work directly with China on things like this, although sometimes that stuff happens. I'm saying they simply share the same goal, so they oftentimes find each other walking side by side along the same path because they're heading the same direction. That direction means, well, America kind of sucks and deserves to be brought to its knees. Oh, hey, China, are you going this way too? Wow, me too. Anyway, come on, let's go. We'll do what we can do to destroy it. And why is that the case? Well, we talk about culture. Culture is what your eyes see and your ears hear. Culture is how you're educated. You remember Yuri Bezmenov, who we play all the time on the show, talking in 1984 that we were already 25 years into an anti-American education in the United States of America, completely demoralizing the public. That was 1984. Let's see. Cross the T, dot the I, 26, 37. That's, that's a long time ago. It's like 37 years ago. How many generations now? And what I'm saying to you is, you think... Because it's easy for us to think this way. You think, and I think, I, I go through the same things. You think, at the, wow, there's a big, big Coca Cola meeting today. All the heads are going to be there in this gigantic, fancy corporate boardroom. And there's going to be coffee and donuts and bagels, Chris, and, and, and stuff like that. It'll be real fancy, right? And the, what they're going to have up there, they're going to have pie charts and graphs and profits and look at this product and look at this product. That's what you think's happening in these corporate boardrooms. Do you want to know what's really happening? I'm about to tell you. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Your daughter doesn't want to talk about why her room is a horrible mess. Your son doesn't want to talk about why he's wearing mismatching socks. Your spouse doesn't want to talk about their bad haircut. Families don't have to talk about everything, but they should talk to plan for an emergency. Pack basic supplies in a go bag, water, canned food, flashlights, batteries, medical supplies, IDs, and some cash. Talk about where you'll meet in case you lose one another. And of course, don't forget to pack the dog treats. Talk to your family and make an emergency plan. Go to nyc.gov slash readyny or call 311 to make your family's emergency plan. Brought to you by New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council.
So Delta Airlines are business partners with the Chinese Communist Party, the same Chinese Communist Party that is committing genocide against Uyghur Muslims inside of China. So I look forward to a letter today from their CEO telling everyone that what the Chinese Communist Party is doing with genocide is unacceptable. I look forward to that letter saying that genocide does not reflect the values of Delta Airlines. Of course, they're not going to send that letter, nor is Coca-Cola, nor is any of these other corporations that are out there proving to the world how woke they are, because they are woke corporate hypocrites. That's what they are. They're woke corporate hypocrites. They make billions of dollars in a country that doesn't even have elections. They make billions of dollars working with a country that has no respect for anyone or anything, and they don't say a word about it. But in America, they're prepared to boycott a state and condemn them publicly to show and prove how woke they are. They're hypocrites, complete and total hypocrites. Hypocrites, yes, but we're missing something here on The Jesse Kelly Show. Remember, we have Rebecca Heinrichs coming up in 10 minutes. She actually thinks China is going to invade and take over Taiwan during the Biden administration. Do you realize how worldwide stunning that would be? So we're going to talk to her about that. I'm interested to hear that. But anyway, yes, they're hypocrites. But those big fancy corporate board meetings. You think it's all pie charts and graphs and, well, we lost 2% this quarter, but in this sector we raised it at the highest levels, the highest levels of corporate America. They are having board meetings with the three most dangerous words in the English language, corporate social responsibility. I know this because I know people in these boardrooms. I know this because I know people in huge county governments and state governments across the country. They have the same meetings. Coca-Cola, Delta, all these companies, they don't have big corporate boardroom meetings about what to do about the Uyghur concentration camps in China. No. When they do that, when they have meetings about China, they're talking about how much money they're making in China. When they have corporate social responsibility meetings, they have meetings like, hey, How much have we donated to Black Lives Matter this year? This gigantic uh, Democrat group, this Get Out to Vote group, this Act Blue, how much money have we donated to that? You know, have we run run a a transgender children campaign on TV yet this year? We we need to make sure we do that, Marty. Let's let's make sure we put another 50 or 50, you know what, 70 million into that this year. And and I want to see a huge $10 million donation to Black Lives Matter. They have these meetings now regularly at the highest levels. Why? Well, the people in these meetings, you like to think of them as these nameless, faceless men in fancy $1,000 Armani suits drinking fancy cups of coffee. The truth is they're just human beings, flesh and blood like you and I. Yeah, their coffee costs a little more than yours and mine. But they're flesh and blood. And what they did, they were sent off to school at the age of five or six years old to begin their education. And they learned for seven, eight hours a day until they were 22, 23 years old how bad America sucks. And yeah, they went out and started low in Coca-Cola or Apple or this or that. And they kept getting promoted and working their way up through the ranks but they're all coming up through the ranks and they're all educated at the highest levels about how bad this country sucks. 
and they get there, they're not passive once they get there because communism isn't a passive religion. It is an aggressive religion of domination. It never stops, never sleeps. It's not that they're hypocrites. Of course they're hypocrites. It's that they and China share the same goal because they share the same view of the United States of America. It's a dirty, sexist, racist, evil, gay-hating country that deserves to be brought to, brought to its knees because it's uniquely evil. It's worse than all the other countries in the world. Why do they think that? Because that's what's being taught in America's schools. And I don't just mean some random radical schools somewhere. The top-level schools, Harvard, Yale, Stanford, are teaching these things. And these guys from those schools go on to be CEO of places like Coca-Cola and Delta. They go on to be U.S. senators. That is what has happened. We have a generational fight ahead of us. I tell people this all the time, and it's hard to hear, but I don't mean it to be hard to hear. It's meant to be encouraging. You and I will never in our lifetime see victory in the culture war, see final victory, because it's taken so many decades for the left to get where they are. It will take us that many decades to get back. We'll just simply be dead and gone. We won't. It doesn't matter how old you are. We won't be able to live long enough to see that final victory. That's not discouraging. That's encouraging. It means you don't need to beat your head against the wall until it's all back. You just have to make sure we're moving in the right direction here at some point in time. Start moving forward, and then the next generation can move forward. Then the next generation can move forward, and hopefully we get there. That's not discouraging. That's encouraging. Shogun of, of the stars and oracle of outer space, Chris. What? I am sure that your son's planet project is probably over, but I saw this article and wanted to make sure he had all the most current information. This one says Uranus X-rays detected. Quit. Quit. Everybody was so immature. Maybe in the future SpaceX will travel that far and we can have Musk on Uranus. I love the show. I'm glad I'm not the only one with a sense of humor that ranges from the morbid to juvenile. The worst mistake I ever made was sitting behind this microphone and explaining that my son had to do a science project on the planets and the planet he was assigned was Uranus because I had a hard enough time keeping him under control when he was trying to give me the presentation at home. And then I come and sit down and I'm overloaded with immature emails like this about Uranus. I won't stand for it. We have a certain level of standards on this show and it's not funny. By the way, we have a voicemail. Somebody disagreed with me about World War Zero. Chris, play that voicemail. Do we have the voicemail? This is Jeff. I must take exception to your saying the RJ 1904-5 war was World War Zero. It was actually the American Revolution. The English fought the Americans, French, and Spanish in North, Central, and South America, the West Indies. They attacked Spain in the Philippines. They attacked the French in India, also Africa, and they also fought in the Mediterranean. My best to you and Jewish producer Chris. That's all. I got to tell you, Chris. One, I didn't come up with the World War Zero thing for the Russo-Japanese War. That they gave it that label just because it was, you know, the precursor to World War One. But two, the man makes some pretty freaking good points, right? I mean, what? Think about it. the man makes some good points. Where's he wrong, Chris? 
I understand it wasn't the same level of devastation, but that's more about the available weaponry than anything else. You didn't get the same level of devastation until all of a sudden you had a machine gun nest that can kill 100 guys with one belt. You're dropping bombs. I heard some show. You know what I need to do? I Maybe I'll do it this week. Maybe not. I don't know. I have a lot I want to get done this week. I need to show, uh, do a show on the Japanese takeover of Shanghai when they were busy tearing through China, like at the beginning of World War II, kind of before the beginning of World War II. Shanghai was a city of 4 million people, and Japan sent an army in there, and there were civilians, and China, China tried to fight back. You know, China has troops there, too. They're dropping bombs, only they're missing the Japanese people and dropping bombs on their own citizens who are packed into the streets. It was ugly. It was really ugly. It's right up our people's alley. <laughs> and I've been debating, really, really debating whether I want to do the uh, the police reserve battalion show that I've done before about the nature of men. I've been talking about it. It's just so terrible. I hate to do it. All right, it's time to talk to Rebecca Heinrich. She thinks China's invading Taiwan. Hang on. Jake's Mint Chew is made in the good old USA. And let me tell you something. I've talked to you a lot about Jake's Mint Chew before how it's helping guys quit tobacco. I've talked to you about how it's helping, honestly, my listeners, it's helping them quit smoking, which is awesome. I love all that stuff. That's cool. That's good stuff. We all need to do that, right? But Made in America is worth a little bit more now than it ever was, isn't it? Given what's happening out there in the world, given what's happening in our economy. So when I when I hear of a product that's changing lives, a product that, are we allowed to say this? maybe saving lives, and it's made in America, yeah, it's pretty good stuff. And look, nicotine-free, tobacco-free, and it will help you quit dipping. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE, that's J-E-S-S-E, for 20% off. Well, I am looking forward to this only because I know how much it makes her day to be on the world-famous Jesse Kelly Show. Joining me now, senior fellow at the Hudson Institute, Rebecca Heinrichs. Rebecca, China is going to invade Taiwan? What? Hi, Jesse. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Yeah, so what I'm concerned about is that China, um, of course, led by its maniac genocidal leader Xi Jinping, who has now made himself essentially, you know, the life lifetime um, ruler of China. What a shock. I, I yeah, I, I, you know, he's been talking about wanting to reunite Taiwan, which we know is a liberal democratic autonomous. Um, it's not an official nation, but it essentially is a nation um, governing itself off off the coast of China. And he wants to reunite it. To, to mainland China, and of course the Democratic Taiwanese. I mean, they're 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 just de- little small D Democrats, the good kind, um, just like the Hong Kongers were before China took over there. 
and uh, they don't want to be conquered. And the United States needs Taiwan to be free and autonomous for our own reasons and purposes. So I, I think that, that Xi Jinping is looking at the situation and looking at uh, our current American president, who he doesn't think is very strong or has a strong will uh, to, to do what is necessary to defend Taiwan. So I think it could be happening. It could happen uh, in the near future. I do. Let's uh, let me clarify this right now. Why does Taiwan matter to us, to to Americans? Because I don't expect everybody listening right now to give a crap about Taiwan, but why should they? So multiple reasons. Unlike Afghanistan, Taiwan is extremely geopolitically important to the United States. So what I mean by that is um, MacArthur, General MacArthur coined the phrase the unsinkable um, aircraft carrier for Taiwan, speaking of Taiwan, that you don't, you don't want China to be able to block off the United States from having complete access to, to that region of the world, to the Pacific. And if China can take over Taiwan, it basically can just, I mean, it could just send their subs right over to the United States coast. I mean, it, it threatens Hawaii. It threatens, obviously, U.S. territory, Guam. Um, it puts us at major risk. And from a security standpoint, and us having that ally, Taiwan, there that we have this close security relationship with, you know, keeps the Chinese away from our own coastline. And it keeps us being able to have, you know, free trade in a region that's, you know, dominating the world from a trade standpoint. So it helps Americans economically. And, um, and then obviously we've got other allies, Japan, South Korea, the Philippines, and they are all just toast. If uh, if Taiwan you know goes to China and so you can see just a snowball effect of bad stuff that happens, um, that would be bad for the United States and our way of life for our kids and our kids' kids. Rebecca, I, I know China wants it. China has wanted it. Why do you think now they're going to be bold enough to take it? Is it because you think they have leverage over the president? Is it because you don't think we have the stones to stop them? Why now? So we've been really focused on, as you know, for the last couple of decades, we've been focused on militarily on fighting counterinsurgency wars in the Middle East. So one of them is just a power military problem. We obviously have a massive better military, but our military has been suited towards and focusing on the Middle East, not towards deploying the kinds of weapons, the kinds of stuff that we need in the Pacific region to defend our vital interests. We've, you know, this has just been like a heyday for these corporatists who just want to get rich off of Chinese slave labor. And we just thought that if we just keep trading with China, we won't ever have a problem with China from a power perspective and things will just be great. Well, so here we are. The Chinese are rich. They've got a military that can now totally uh, put up an enormously serious fight in the region. And you combine that now with Joe Biden as the American president. And he's been doing, to his credit, he's got a good China team in there as far as Democrats go in terms of, you know, saying the right things and defending Taiwan. But it's got to be matched with the will. you got to believe that Joe Biden's going to be willing to deploy the stuff we need to quickly, quickly, quickly to be able to deter China or to, to win in a battle with the Chinese with the help and support of our allies, the Taiwanese, if it comes to that. And so you're looking at the situation, we're already behind the eight ball, and then you've got a president who might not be willing to do what it takes. And so, you know, why, why would they want to wait and see if they're going to have another president, DeSantis, 
in four years or somebody else like that, now would be the time when they have their best bet. And so you, you look at, like, when, when, are the, when is the sea going to be most favorable towards a naval operation? It's spring and summer. Uh, Tom Cotton has been all over this in hearings. And so you're thinking, is it this spring and summer or next or, or the year after that? But it, it does feel very foreboding like it could happen soon. Rebecca, explain to me Japan, South Korea. I mean, I, I don't expect much out of the Philippines, but militarily, Japan and South Korea. Assuming we want to get in, but not World War III all in, what can Japan and South Korea bring militarily to bear? Because they would, I'm assuming, work with us. Yeah, so I wouldn't. I, the, the South Koreans are much more skittish when it comes to even like perceiving to be adversarial towards the Chinese. Oh, great. The, the, our, our, our best bet is, is Japan. Japan has been like just a stalwart ally of the United States. Abe, prime minister, the former prime minister, was great, you know, got along great with Donald Trump. You know, you'd see these two guys just golfing together, and it was just hilarious. But but they seem to have a, a, an understanding um, of, you know, a perceiving of the threats to, to, of, of China in particular. So, but mostly where, where they're going to be able to help us, it's not just their own weapons, but it's going to be their cooperation with us, obviously, where we're going to deploy. The other thing that Donald Trump did has not received enough credit for in his team, which is the most brilliant thing I think he did in foreign policy. He pulled us out of this old Cold War treaty that we had with the Russians called the INF Treaty. That treaty prevented the United States from deploying a certain range of missiles that we could deploy from land that we could just, like, give to the Marines um, and, like, so they could deploy them from the land that would range China. The reason we had that treaty with the Russians is because we didn't want to have those kind of missiles in Europe. Um, But the Russians have been cheating. The Russians always cheat and they're liars. So Trump pulled out of that treaty. We now have the ability, if Joe Biden will do it, to just start mass producing these suckers and getting them deployed as quickly as possible with our allies and partners in the region. Not, not, not so that we fight China. We want to prevent that. We don't want to fight China. But to like, you know, convince the Chinese that we are willing to defend our key interests, and it's not going to be worth it to them to, to make an aggressive move against Taiwan. Yeah, plus who knows their way around China better than Japan? <laughs> Rebecca, what did you guys eat for Easter? Ham. We had ham. Oh, I know, although I'm really I'm really like in this exercise thing right now, so I had to like watch my portions on Easter, uh, which is just miserable. What you know, now, but, hold on. Go ahead. I know you have to tell everybody cuz every exercise person does. What is the program, Rebecca? Please tell us about no, your workouts. It, it's just eat very little and work out more. That's <laughs> it. You know what? I I love the simplicity of that. I love the simplicity of that. My workout plan is be less fat this next year. That's that's where I'm heading. <laughs> Rebecca Heinrichs, thank you, ma'am. Thanks, Jesse. How about that, man? That would not be good. China taking over. You know you know what I can completely see happening. We issue a strongly worded letter condemning it. The international con- community will condemn it, but no one really knows what that means. Japan will be over there saying, uh, anyone going to step in with us? We're happy to step in with someone else. We can't do it alone, and nobody will. Maybe we'll send Hunter over there. He seems to do real well negotiating with China. All right. All right. I, I Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We printed off eight stories today. I got to one during the three-hour show. 
I am now going to churn through the last seven in our headlines. I didn't get to segment coming up next. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Eden Pure Thunderstorm has not only taken care of my allergies, the air smells better. And look, this thing, I want you to understand, it's not the two, three-foot air purifier tower that goes in the corner of your room. It doesn't do that at all. There's no filters to replace here. It's incredibly small. It just plugs into the wall. You don't know it's there, and it's incredibly quiet. But what's it doing over there? It's killing and preventing the spread of mold, fungus, and mildew. No more itchy, watery eyes for me. No more runny nose. No more doing this behind the microphone all day. No more sneezing. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm has changed not just just my own happiness as far as my house goes. My entire family loves it. I own three of them. Go go to EdenPureDeals.com. EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code word JESSE at checkout for $10 off. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Email your love, your hate, your death threats, and your Ask Dr. Jesse questions for Friday and throughout the week. Remember, I read all your emails, all of them. I'm not going to respond. I get too many. I read all of your emails. So I realize that everyone may not be up to date on the sunroof situation. It's not funny, Chris. Here's the sunroof situation. I bought a truck, what, five years ago now? Four or five years ago? And this was shocking to me, but I'd never bought a pickup truck in Texas. I'd only ever bought them in Montana. And you go to Montana to buy a pickup truck, every truck is four-wheel drive. I didn't really know there were two-wheel drive trucks until I came down here. So I'm telling the dealership, yeah, I want a four-wheel drive truck. What are you talking about? Yes, it's a pickup truck. And the truck I wanted had a sunroof. I can't emphasize this enough because I have been mocked and belittled by these heartless people who listen to the show about having a sunroof in my truck. The truck, I didn't ask for the sunroof. The truck I wanted happened to have a double sunroof. When I say double, it's exactly what you think. It's the front and the back seat. You open it up and it's essentially a glass pod on top of the truck. Now, I live in Houston, Texas. It's 9,000 degrees down here almost year-round. So I've opened it like twice. It's not like I drive around with the sunroof open and the wind blowing in my rapidly thinning hair. I'm not doing that. So don't make me out to be sunroof guy. I happen to have a sunroof on my truck. And of course... Like the third time I ever use it, 
It's the kids. They want to stick their heads out it. We're putzing down some dirt road. And I'm all, yeah, go ahead. And they press the button. And the cover, like it has a solid cover that you have to back up before you can actually open the sunroof itself. The cover goes halfway back. Boom, gets stuck. I'm furious. I'm baking. I have to wear a hat. It's so hot in there. I have to wear a hat all the time when I drive now. But I don't want to. I don't want to get it fixed because I take it in to get an estimate to fix it. It's three thousand dollars, dude. My first car was six hundred dollars. My car, the car itself, six hundred bucks for an '83 Honda Accord hatchback. Anyway, I do get the mechanic who who gave me the estimate to at least get the cover closed, which he does. And I say, forget it. I'm just going to leave it as is. Well, it turns out that sleet storm destroyed it or something because there's now water in there. It's wrecked. It won't work at all now, and it's getting water in, so I have to go get it fixed. I take it to get it fixed to a local mechanic. You know how I always talk to you about being more purposeful with where you spend money and don't? I'm trying to. I'm not perfect either, but I'm trying to as much as possible. So I'm thinking I'm all proud of myself too, acting like I'm doing good. Yeah, forget those big companies. I'm using the local mechanic up the road. Bring it in. He looks at it. Same thing. Three thousand dollars to fix it. Tells me he's going to order the parts. I said, all right. I don't have time to leave my truck here. You call me when the parts are in. He said, no problem. I bring it back in. He says he needs half a day to fix it. I bring it in. A week later, the thing is still not done. I storm down to the mechanic, and I tell him I'm picking it up that day. I, I show up, and of course, every guy he has in the shop is in my truck at the moment I show up because they hadn't touched the freaking thing until I said I was bringing it down. I know the game. I know exactly what happened. He seems confused. He's talking to me about how complicated it is. I now drive off the lot when they finally get it done, and now... It is rattling, and I don't mean a little rattle. I mean loud, distracting rattling. Something didn't get put back right. I call him. I complain. I tell him I needed to fix it. He tells me he's got extra parts he has to put on it. Even then, he doesn't sound confident. This entire saga has been the worst thing ever. And my friends are trying to get me to trade in my pickup truck. I don't trade in vehicles. I ride them until the wheels fall off those daggone things. I've only got like 100,000 miles on it. I'm going for two or three, baby, before that thing's going down. But this, this only buying local thing, most of the time it works out well for me. It burned me this time. There was a major nationwide dealer right up the road who had worked on my truck several times and did well every single time, and I drove right by them on the way to the local mechanic shop, and I found the guy who didn't even know how to install the freaking sunroof. And now I already know how this is going to end. I know I'm going to have to take it back to the major, major dealer I didn't want to deal with to get the thing fixed. And I will not be mocked for having a truck with the sunroof in it. The truck came with the sunroof. I didn't, it did, Chris. I didn't request the sunroof, okay? Did I open it once or twice? Be like, oh, look at the sky. Yeah, I did. But for the most part, I had the sunroof closed. It is as manly a pickup truck as you can possibly imagine. It is, Chris. It is. 
Oh, I'm so disgusted. Hang on, I'll get to these headlines. Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Headline, Iowa governor signs constitutional carry into law. Why hasn't your governor more of this? Headline, L.A. County D.A. Gascon Gascon downsizes hardcore gang and major narcotics units. Yes, they're not destroying the big cities by accident. This is done on purpose. CDC walks back claim that vaccinated people can't carry the COVID-19. Oh, enjoy those vaccine passports. If you think it stops at vaccine passports, then I've got some oceanfront property in Arizona to sell you. Headline, Representative Burgess Owens lived through Jim Crow, says it's demeaning to compare voter ID with actual racism. I've met Burgess Owens. You know what? We're going to get him on the show. That dude is a stud. Headline, Bipartisan Worry Grows Over National Debt, which totals $85,210 per person. Oh, don't worry. Just print some more. Whew. What a show. Gosh, that was great today. That's all. Jesse Kelly Show. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it. 
until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one, get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.